As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, uh, severely pissed off at myself for not going to what was an incredible Rose Bowl with Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? Can't help that you're entitled and don't love the game, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, I think I got I got punished uh, for, you know, not, not going out there, you know, partly being a little leery of, you know, the sickness going around. I ended up getting sick anyway, so that worked out really well for me. <laughs> How you holding up, bud? I'm good. Just coughing a little bit. Yeah. It uh, sucks to suck, you know. It's yeah. it's so funny because, you know, not that I'm, I've been exposed to COVID more than just about anybody, and it's just kind of like one of those things where it's just, you can't run from it, man. Like, you know, you just yeah, get it. Got, I'm slow anyway. It got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You thought your body had a mutual understanding, but it, uh, yeah. I thought I was, quote, built different. Turns out I'm not. Yeah, I got it last year in Dallas with no friends and no social life because I happened to need to go pump a tire and I never got out of my car. So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. It um, I will say, you have to watch a cool game on TV, though. and I don't know if this is the way the podcast should start because the Rose Bowl was amazing and whatever, but, like, I covered the Cotton Bowl, and we weren't allowed to be anywhere around the players because of COVID protocol, and I understand that, and we weren't allowed to go down uh, – onto the field or be anywhere near the players after the game uh, to protect them. 
but then their like team outing was going to the Cowboys game. So it's just kind of like, you know. Yeah, I we can talk. Maybe I, the media availability at the Rose Bowl was better than I thought it would be. That was that was a misfire by me. It was a misfire by me. I'll own that. I'll own that. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, not. You never I, know how they're going to handle it, though. Yeah, you, you couldn't be sure. I suppose because at the Cotton but. Bowl it was non-existent, and like that's what it seemed like it was going to be at all the bowls. And in California, you would think it'd be even worse than Texas, but yes, sometimes you don't. You know, you spin the wheel, and sometimes it just lands on the wrong slot. You know. Yeah, that's right. Still, still though, one of the top five, I think, most entertaining football games I've watched. Maybe top ten, yes. five pushing it, but but it was a wildly entertaining Rose Bowl. Yeah. So that Ohio State won, by the way, forty-eight, forty-five. Two things. One, am I crazy for thinking that Ohio State was going to win that game the entire time? Like I no I I didn't yeah, think I saw that your the, tweet during it yeah I I, I deleted it because I didn't want to be called a homer but like <laughs> I never thought they were going to lose because I didn't think that Utah was going to score seventy points and I didn't think that Utah was going to stop Jackson Smith the Jigba from picking up sixty yards of reception so like I just knew at a certain point that the jig was going to be up and Ohio State was going to be in a pretty good position to win it and it was like funny because I saw your tweet after the game. And you're like, Ari asked me on the show last week if anything memorable would happen in this game or if there would be any moments, and we weren't sure. And it's like, yeah, it was it was a very fun, memorable game, and winning the Rose Bowl that way is certainly entertaining and fun. Um, I don't know how much we actually learned, though. Is that a hot take? No, I don't. I don't. Well, I think we learned, like, I don't know if there was much doubt that the young receivers were good. But we got like we learned more about Marvin Harrison. I think we knew like Jackson Smith and Jigba breaking every Rose Bowl and Ohio State receiving record on the face of the earth. Anytime anybody has a game like that, it's surprising. Like, you know, that even the best receivers in the history of the sport don't have games like that regularly. Yeah. And I mean, man was wide open the entire game. Like they couldn't they they I don't know if they weren't covering him the right way or if Ohio State found a wrinkle in their offense to, to spring him open. But it was just like they lost track of him all the time. And it's like sometimes it's kind of funny, too, to think like if he would have just caught that that pass and uh, take it into the end zone instead of fumbling in the second quarter, like what more this game would have meant for him, you know, if it could mean anything more. But the funniest thing to me, Bill, is that Jackson Smith and the Jigba had almost 350 yards receiving in a game where another receiver who had only five receptions all year caught three touchdown passes. Caught three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. so, like, you know, if if the idea is Ohio State's offense is going to be good next year and, uh, you know, Ohio State's defense needs to have an overhaul, it's just like, okay, you know, we I understand that. You know, and I know that Ohio State fans are probably excited that they went out on a win. The second quarter, they were probably thinking to themselves, like, what are we even doing? You know, mm-hmm. it was an ugly first half, um, but certainly a 10 out of 10 on the entertaining scale. And I guess in an exhibition bowl game, that's pretty much all you can ask for anyway, right? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not <clears> – <throat> we, we said coming into this that, like, we, I, I didn't think really much of what would happen in this game would, would pertain much to next year. Like, players and coaches talk about it a lot, and that's that's fine. That's all – they're within their rights to do that. I'm not so sure that bowl momentum is, is 
actually a real thing, or at least not not in a way that like really tangibly impacts your, your following season. But it is great for Ohio State to end the season on a win. It's great for Ohio State to get a win in that fashion. I, I do think, even though this wasn't a playoff, even though you know they lost to Michigan this year, and there are a lot of things that people were unhappy about this season, I do think that this is now a game that people will remember, remember for a long time because of how entertaining it was, the records that were broken, the, the craziness of the game. Just about everything you, you would want to happen in a college football game happened, I think, in this game. Special team scores, you know, stuff that makes your hair make, makes you want to pull your hair out. Um, explosive plays, just incredible individual efforts from from a couple of different guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm you, glad. Here's the thing that I think might, out of all the things, not to interrupt you, but does the way C.J. Stroud is viewed change even five percent? Yeah, well, I was going to get to that because you said like what what did we learn? I actually I actually think we learned a couple things. And something about TJ, I think, is one of them. But firstly, I think we learned that Jackson Smith and Jigba was probably this team's best receiver all year. Right? I don't know, man. Uh, Here's like there was there was. I mean, statistically, yeah, I guess Uh, there was some there was some sentiment that, and I think a fair one, that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the statistical leader of this receiving core because he benefited from the attention that was paid to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, which is a fine, logical way to view it. But in the two games this year where one of those guys didn't play and then the other game where both those guys didn't play, he had 30 catches for 600 yards and four touchdowns. So are you willing to say that you think he's better than them right now? Yes. And those guys are awesome. Like, they're great. They're both going to be first-round picks. They should be first-round picks. They are awesome. They're great receivers. Um, Landis, can I remind not, you that a month ago I said that Chris Olave is the greatest receiver in Ohio State history? He might be, and he's got one more year to hold on to that title. <laughs> then he will lose it to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Wow. I don't, I don't think that you're crazy. I don't know if I'm there yet because I. it's hard for me. Here's the thing. I am Mr. Early uh, Explosion and Early Career. You can tell when you can tell, forget the stats type of person. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's all well and good with Jackson Smith. He's already a star. Okay. I hesitate a little bit on calling him better than the player who is the most decorated receiver in Ohio State history just yet. You know, like, I... Mm. And it's like, too, best is such a subjective thing because what are we talking about? Statistically, it's a different discussion. Uh, physical, tangible attributes is a different discussion. Like, you can make a case that Michael Thomas is the greatest receiver in Ohio State history, but he also never touched the ball when he was on the team somehow. So, like, it's kind of a murky <laughs> situation. That said, Garrett Wilson does things well. Chris Olave does things well. Jackson Smith and the Jigba seems to do everything well. Like yes. he has, like to borrow Larry Johnson's toolbox, like Jackson Smith and the Jigba can catch a pass over his shoulder into the bread basket with an inch between him and the sideline and a, and a defender draped over his head as easily as he can catch a drag route that's four yards deep and go 70 yards to the house with it. He's fast. He runs amazing routes. Uh, he can catch really difficult passes, which I think both, uh, I think that Garrett Wilson specialized in. Um, and he can make explosive plays and score touchdowns like they're nothing the way that Chris Olave did. So 
even if I'm not ready to join the party right now, I'm pretty sure the party is going to be arrived at at some point, you know, like, and I, and the thing too is it's been very rare in Ohio state history to have multiple players like this on the team at the same time. And I know that Brian Hartline has done what he's done. And that goes without saying, but in the last 20 years, you know, Ohio state's had David Boston. They've had Terry Glenn. uh, They've had Michael Thomas, you know, they've had a lot of guys and there's been some overlap with some of those guys who have been on the same team at the same time. But all of these guys were in their primes at the same time. So it's like very, it, I, I would have loved to see what Garrett Wilson would have done in three years if it was the Garrett Wilson show for three years or Chris Olave when, you know, isolated. And it's like Jackson Smith and the Jigba might not even be that way either because Marvin Harrison now is out being compared to his dad. So like, I think this is all great for Ohio State. I will say that it is possible, and I said this on last week's episode, that Ohio State will be going into next year with the best quarterback, the best running back, and the best receiver in college football. Uh, and I hesitated a little bit on that, I think. I'm I'm 100% there on receiver. I mean, like... Well, no, I'm, I was going to say I'm 100% there on receiver. Um, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I think, is, is a fun and interesting conversation that I could land on either side of, even though Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy. Um Especially, you know, because yeah, like, if CJ Stroud wins think, it next year, then you have the most recent Heisman Trophy winner. Sure, and like for as well as Bryce Young played against Georgia in the SEC title game and like locked up the the Heisman with that game, you know, he had games where he didn't look particularly good, and I would include the Cincinnati playoff when they just had in in that discussion. I think he played fine in that game. I don't think he was great. Um, CJ played great against you know a different stage, but I don't know, possibly a better team. I don't know against Utah. Um, the better so I team? Know. I think that's – I don't know. You, Cincinnati's probably better than Utah, but I don't think it's somewhat – it's not like a wide gap there. Um, the one thing with the, the, the Rose Bowl is like Utah was playing a, a running back at cornerback, and while not all of Jackson Smith's and Jigba's catches came against that guy, a couple of them did. Uh, they did, I mean, they did a good job of exploiting that when, when they when they could. Um, but I wouldn't use that to take away anything from what Jackson Smith and Jigwood did in that game, three, almost 350 yards receiving. And the fact that the Nebraska game exists and he did it against the, uh, what was a pretty good Big Ten defense when they, weren't without, when they were without Garrett Wilson. Um, and then some of the stuff he did just over the – I think over the last five or so games of the season, I think in terms of yardage, he had like as many receiving yards as Chris Olave had all year. So – like this kid is, I think, on another level, and and if you're hesitant to go there now because these guys that are leaving the program are so decorated and were so productive, so highly thought of, and are going to be first round picks, I, I, that's fine. Um, I'm willing to jump the gun a little bit right now with this kid because I think he is like special, special among the most special players that I've covered, you know, over eight seasons. Watching Here's the thing with football. with Jackson too. He was one of the most highly decorated receivers in high school football history. In Texas. In Texas. And, like, Garrett Wilson also played in Texas. Um, and Rockwell plays in a pretty high division, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, he, mm-hmm. he played against some really good competition. And, like, the proof of what Jackson had been doing dates all the way back to circus freak catches in the national – I mean, sorry, the high school state championship games his final year and the first game he ever played in, which was that acrobatic catch in the back of the end zone. And, like, now in the Rose Bowl. Now, I – hesitate a little bit because like doing it 
against a team that wasn't able to cover anybody the entire game. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything away from him, but like the um, the sheer amount of yardage that he put up, like I mean, half of that yardage was just like pitch and catch. Um, mm-hmm. But the the the, it, the secondary is not the strength of Utah's defense for sure. That said, he illustrates every single attribute that you would want from an elite level receiver, and he gives Ohio State uh, one of the new faces of the program going into next year if he wasn't already, and I think legitimizes the season-long stats that he put up a year this year. So I don't know how to digest Ohio State's win as a whole. Um, I think that it was fun, and you want to add a Rose Bowl trophy into the Woody Hay Center anytime you're able to do so. But after watching what happened to Michigan in the playoff, which went exactly the way that I said it would on this play, I mean, it was like literally yeah, good, a carbon copy. Good call. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and everybody should have seen that from a mile away. It's just, I can't, maybe I'm the biggest homer on the face of the earth, and you tell me if I am. But every single time Ohio State has a weird down year like this, a down year, by the way, that consisted of 11 wins and a Rose Bowl win, or the two times that they missed the playoff in, you know, the end of the Urban Meyer era. I always watch the playoff games and think, if Ohio State just would have pulled its head out of its ass for one less game this past year, they'd be giving the two teams on this stage better games than the teams are getting blown out that went in ahead of them. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you can play that game right now, especially after Ohio State's defense was clearly gashed you know, by Utah and has its... Defense stinks. Yeah, the defense stinks. Defense is terrible. But the talent thing, it becomes more and more evident every single year in the playoff semifinals. And just like, I still don't understand how Ohio State lost to Michigan. Because Michigan's a nice team. Ohio State should have done to Michigan what Georgia did. Like, if Ohio State was operating at the level that it should have been operating at. And like, the fact that they lost to Oregon and then beat the crap out of the team that embarrassed Oregon twice is a testament to the fact that they just... I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if it was personnel misses. Uh, those were the things that we discussed all the way back in September. But Ohio State's team, though it does feel good right now, it annoys me if I'm a fan that they couldn't put it together in a year where any of the previous three or four playoff teams that Ohio State had, maybe three of the 16-team blue, but could have won a national championship this year. They recruited that way. They had they had players on they recruited the recruited off they recruited offense that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. You know, I don't know. Maybe I, do I sound like a complete homer right now? Or because I, 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 I covered the, the Alabama game, and I'm like, Alabama's yeah. fine. They're pretty good. It's definitely the worst or the second worst Alabama team that's been there under the Saban playoff umbrella. Mm-hmm. Maybe Georgia's going to win the national championship this year. I don't know where I stand right now. But I saw Alabama in person, and Alabama looked like 80% of what Ohio State looks like when it's hitting all cylinders this season. It just, to me, I don't know how you watch the Rose Bowl and just don't think, like, with an offense like this and their two, three, four best players, or four out of the top ten players on the team not playing, that they wouldn't have been destined for better things if it weren't for two or three more things to break their way. I just don't – I feel the same way about this team as I felt about the 2018 team that didn't make the playoff. 
they did one thing exceptionally well, and none of the other things good enough to win a national championship. Yeah. Not a good enough team running the ball, not a good enough team defensively. I think maybe the point that I'm trying to make is that the way that it seemed like they were recruiting, you would think that they would have a team that was 80% as good as the 19 team. And I think that's probably what we said, or we, we, a team that was 80% as good as last year's team. And I think a team that's 80% as good as last year's team could have won the national championship in this year. So the fact that they weren't 80% as good as they were a year ago, I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's a personnel thing. I don't know if it's a combination of both. But the 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 standard of what Ohio State teams have been for much of the past 10 years, Ohio State didn't meet that standard this year. And of all the years not to meet that standard, there was a window here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What does Ohio State have to do to win a national championship again? Because there's windows of opportunity there. There have been years where it was there for the taking. Um, There's been some bad luck, like the 2019 team would have been unbelievably the best team in the country this year, and they just kept lined up against a really good Clemson team and lost a heartbreaker, and then that would have been the LSU year. So, I mean, their best teams seem to coincide with when the other teams on their level are also at, uh, at the optimum level. And when their teams are down... It seems to happen during years where the championship is there for the taking. So, like, I don't know if that's just bad luck or or what it is, but, you know, we're going on how many years now? Seven years or eight years without a national championship? And for the team Seven. to be built the way that they've been built, as exciting as the Rose Bowl win was, and to see all the talent oozing, like, insanely oozing on every single play, I couldn't help but think, why couldn't this team figure it out? Because this year would have been a good opportunity to win a national championship. And then, again, maybe I'm just a weirdo. Um, maybe yeah. I don't get the, the Rose Bowl feels. I think that the Rose Bowl game had... I don't even know what it's about that, though. I just think like this team is deeply flawed. Yeah. like they're, I just don't... They, You're right. It, I, I think there's a weird thing here where Oregon and Michigan and Utah, even though Ohio State won the game, were bad matchups for Ohio State. And in an odd way... Georgia and Alabama might be better matchups for Ohio State, at least for Ohio State's offense, um, because Georgia, you know, will wreck your run game. But we saw Alabama throw it all over on them. Like I think Ohio State could have done that against Georgia's defense. I think Ohio State could probably do that against Alabama's defense. I don't think Ohio State's defense could stop either one of those teams. But I think Ohio State's offensive success would show up against both those teams in a way that maybe it didn't show up against. Um, Who do you think has a better chance to beat Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan? I guess it's not fair to ask because Michigan just got their doors blown off. But Ohio yeah. State um, is built to be on that stage, so when they're not, it's weird. 
I don't know. I don't think Ohio State would have beat either of those teams. I think it would have been more competitive games. I don't think Ohio State would have. Yeah, won. no, I don't think that I, I would sit here right now and say that Ohio State's a better team than Georgia or Bama. That's not. Yeah. I, I just think that, I, and maybe I'm, I'm just a, a communicating this poorly. With the way that Ohio State is recruiting now, I guess I'll put it this way. They should avoid years like this moving forward if Ryan Day's the guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like Ohio State is held to a different standard, but I also think, I also think that if Ohio State had this kind of season and they won the Rose Bowl, and you just want to like bask in that and be happy about it, like I think you should do that too. Like I don't yeah, the way anybody can as much as their the playoff, own teams as much as the playoff like envelops everything that we talk about in this sport. Like I think it's okay for Ohio State to play a fun game and have a win and like not have to talk about the playoff afterward. You know what I mean? Like I I think that gets a little, um, I don't know tiresome sometimes like I, everything you're saying is right ohio state seasons i just like i wonder ohio though state if ohio state, state fans watch that game and are like i hate this i don't think that happened i think the percentage of people who watch that game and had the kind of thoughts that you're voicing right now is very low really and maybe maybe in time they'll creep back up because you start reflecting on things and think about the season as a whole but right like now, I view we're it the same way. Sunday night, twenty four hours after the game, I don't think they're thinking that. I view the same way as like the two thousand fifteen Michigan game, where Ohio State lost to Michigan State the week before their season ended, and then Ohio State comes out and puts it all together, and it's just like, what the yeah, hell? That team was good. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this team just wasn't good. You know, <laughs> that team was but good. Then, so let me, let me, let, so I don't know if we want to be happy or sad now. Cause like you made me feel bad that I'm like crapping on everyone's parade. And I, I'm really sorry if I did, but I think the, uh, uh, the underlying point that I'm trying to make is Ohio state is better than what they were this year. The program is better than what they got. You this think, year. you think you, you mean that like the program should be better or this team had more in it. Because I don't. No, think I think that t- the team had uh, deep personnel flaws on defense that you couldn't fix. Yeah, I don't think that this team should lose to the teams they lost to, though. Yeah. So, I think that's fair. like, if they, like, I think the baseline achievement of even flawed Ohio State teams should be making the playoff the same way this flawed Alabama team did. Still, win your conference. Win yeah. your conference. Don't lose to to Michigan and. Oregon, and again, you can't go uh, 500-0 against Michigan. It's going to happen. It happens. It's sport. But, like, Mich- like if you ask, like, I was sitting next to Aaron Suttles in the press box of the Cotton Bowl, our Alabama beat writer at The Athletic, and he was like, I think there's a chance that Alabama's going to lose. There's something off with this team. They aren't what they're supposed to be. They aren't, they aren't as good as they've been. And that might turn into a national championship. And, like, that's hilarious. And I know that I always try to compare Ohio State to Alabama. But I hope that the fan base would appreciate that comparison because that's the way I view Ohio State as a program. And in an Ohio State down year, somebody tweeted on on Sunday, Ohio State's quote-unquote down year ended with an 11-2 record and a Rose Bowl win. And it's just like, yeah, that's true. But like Ohio State's down year should be losing in the semifinal of the playoff, in my opinion. And I... I think that it's an interesting crossroad between enjoying that win. That four and a half was a joke. And yep. then thinking about what could have, not what could have been, because 
I think the, the the misunderstanding that me and you were having is that I believe that Ohio State's team on the field this year should have gotten more out of it. And to a certain extent, I, I guess I do a little bit. I don't think they should have gotten their butts kicked by Michigan. I think that they're a better team than both Michigan and Oregon. Uh, the same way I thought that Michigan was a better team when they lost to Michigan State. Sometimes the better team loses. But as a program, the low point should still be higher than the point that it ended at this year. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I think, I think a more, I think you can simultaneously expect f- more from Ohio State than what this season ultimately was, while also being realistic in the end about what this individual group's ceiling was this year, which was probably eleven and two in Rose Bowl win, or eleven and two and insert your New Year's Six Bowl win here. They were just weren't good enough across the board. I See, think, I would push back on that, and I don't know if we're talking in circles, but it's just like. You think Ryan Day got the ceiling results out of this team? Uh, you think he coached perfectly then? No, no, no. This is a poorly coached team. So then they didn't reach their ceiling as a team. The combination of everything, their personnel, their coaching. No, Ryan Day made bad hiring decisions that, that lowered the ceiling of this team. Ryan Day's, you know, you're saying that once Ryan the Day's inherently flawed coaches thing did not yeah. recruit well enough on the defensive side of the ball, which lowered the ceiling of this team. Yeah, the ceiling is the ceiling in part because of missteps of the coaching staff. Yeah. So I guess if I guess what I'm saying is you could come to that conclusion that that they maximize their ceiling, but their ceiling should be higher. So like that in yeah. the end is a criticism of the coaching staff. Yeah, but the crossroads then I guess to to put a button on what I'm saying is enjoy the win, but now what's next type of a thing. And just like, yeah, what, what do you yeah. take? It's just like, I just, that's not my personality. Like if I set a goal for something and then I fail it, then like I don't like celebrate the thing that kind of happened after. It's like, you didn't, yeah. you, you know, like that's just, and maybe some people are like that, you know, and I guess college football is a little bit different where, you know, winning the Rose bowl is still a great consolation prize and you can be happy with a consolation prize. Like, like your power ball, you know, you, you signed up right. for the power ball. You thought you were going to win $500 million and you won seven bucks. That's You're right. disappointed. You Almost, went five hundred million, but you got seven dollars, right? Almost paid for the ticket. Yeah, <laughs> almost. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel bad, and I hope that people aren't. You know, I'd like to hear your feedback. Like, if there's if the people listening to this are just like, yeah, man, I'm with you, or if everyone's like, you're an asshole for making me feel bad after such an awesome win, and like, I will accept both of those things. I my my read on the situation is that people are are largely. Happy to w- to end the season on a win, even if it's not the win they wanted to end the season on. You probably combine that with a little bit of, of Michigan schadenfreude and the way they lost their playoff game. Doesn't erase the fact that you lost to Michigan. Hate to break it to you. Doesn't. Um, Do but you I actually think, have think, schadenfreude, though, when you get your butt kicked by the team that you're laughing at? You can if you're a certain subsect of Ohio State beat writers. Um, I think if you're a rational human being, it still matters more that you lost. You lost. Yeah, I don't think that that I think that Michigan getting its butt kicked by Georgia actually makes you feel worse. Yeah, like in my opinion, let's uh, let's tally up the the scoring totals that uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State have had in bowl games. But let's ignore the you know score total of the time that Ohio State and Michigan got on the field this year because I guess that one didn't happen. Yeah, the thing that gnaws at um, me is like Michigan got completely and utterly dominated by Georgia, and then it makes you think like, then how did Ohio State get drilled so bad by them? And, like, based on where they are and how they're constructed, even in a year where they've had some personnel issues and misfires on their coaching hires, that, like, 
those teams are also flawed. So, like, how did Ohio State get blown out by that team? And it's just like – Poor, it, bad coaching. Yeah, so I don't know. They're not they're – not, and I wrote this in my, in my like, observations off the game. And I, and I led – I led with the good stuff because I think it's okay to to feel good about that. Like I think it's okay to enjoy it. I think it's okay to like be mesmerized by Jackson Smith and Jigba and be really excited about what CJ Stroud was this year and will become and, and keep growing into next year. Um, but there's also the reality of the situation that Ohio State was not good enough to accomplish its goals this year. Was not a well coached team. Had to make had to make and I think still needs to make some changes there. Um, and take a step forward next year because this wasn't good enough in the end. Like in the grand scheme of things, what you're expecting to be, it's not good enough. But I don't think you need to, you know, bathe yourself in that right now. I think you can enjoy this win and then get back to that, you know, in February if you want to you know, take take the the month to enjoy a Rose Bowl win and what was one of the more entertaining games anyone's ever watched. Yeah, yeah, and also take into the fact that guys on the team exploded in a way that sets the tone for the way your team is going to be viewed a year from now because when the dust settles on these seasons that we you know we always do these post bowl podcasts trying to look back and trying to contextualize things in august when the season's around the corner cj stroud jackson smith the jigma and trey henderson are going to be on like every magazine and the subject of every discussion and that's going to be fun so like from that standpoint like the idea of what this team is building or has built at least offensively you know, Paris Johnson's going to be a tackle next year. Like, there's a lot to be excited about, um, and rightfully so. And if you and if you had even five percent doubt that C.J. Stroud was as good as he is, some of those throws that he threw in the Rose Bowl are like NFL throws. Like, I think He's that awesome. you're 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 good to go into the offseason feeling like your quarterback is awesome, which is something that most teams can't do. So defensively, that was a joke. So like, it was entertaining. It was- and was, Ohio State won high, the game. High comedy. High comedy. Watch. That was worse than the 2018 Maryland game. That was, yeah. I was The, the only thing I kept thinking to myself during the first half, because actually the second half defensive performance was better. I'll give them credit for that. It wasn't awesome. It wasn't great. It was better. It was good enough to give the offense a shot. Um, but, man, that first half, all I kept thinking to myself was, could you imagine what would be happening right now if Ryan Day hadn't already made a coordinator change? Yeah, people had people had to watch that first half of defense without knowing what was coming in the future. Also, watched Oklahoma State's defense against Notre Dame, and they looked shaky in the first half, and then they rocked shit the entire second half and beat Notre Dame. Yeah, and, over, and overcame multiple crippling mistakes that Oklahoma State made offensively in the red zone to win that game. And like I thought, Oklahoma State's defense played hard. And I don't know yes, if that's and something. Jim Knowles was yeah yeah he wasn't he wasn't coaching. No, I know. But obviously, it's it's his defense. It's but I think print. I think. It, Yes, and I think it, it. I was actually like reading a little bit more about Jim Knowles' defense today, and just watching some stuff because I was bored. Um, they his defenses play really hard, play really hard, play really aggressive, and like we'll dive in like the scheme and all that stuff because all that stuff's important. But like that's what it comes down to: Are you well coached? Do you play hard? Do you play fast? Do you play aggressive? Ohio State's defense did not this year, but Oklahoma State's defense did, even in the last game of the year when Jim Knowles wasn't even there. Um, so I would take a little bit of solace in that and. You don't have to be excited about what's coming um, because there's still a lot of unknown. But I would take what happened in the Rose Bowl defensively and just kind of flush it because I don't think it has much bearing on what's to come for Ohio before State's we defense. flush it, though, are going to be significant. Before we flush it, two things I wanted to talk to you about. One, if it was the perfect game, Ohio State wouldn't have let a walk-on farmer come into the game and throw a <laughs> touchdown to backdoor cover it. Uh yeah, two bad defensive pass interference penalties yeah. on that track. Also, can we end the world where 
a quarterback underthrows a ball by seven yards, the receiver slows down, so runs into the defensive back who's in pursuit, creates contact, and then draws a penalty. It's like if I were a quarterback, I would just underthrow every pass I ever made. Like why even I think throw it in, 20, in, in 2016, that was Ohio State's most explosive offensive play. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, I hate it. It's, hate it's it. just like hard to watch, and I hate it when it happens. It's not about it happening to Ohio State, but it's just like why they're they're they got 45 yards down the field, and it was just like they didn't even run a functional offensive play. Um, secondly, you had beef with the way that Ryan Day called timeout at the end, but I don't really know what the problem was. So I was curious what your take on that was. I was just a little confused by it, and then somebody said like they did it because of because there was an injury. But I, I'm in the middle of rewatching the game, and I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but I thought it was odd that they had one timeout left, and they call he called timeout with 12 seconds left to kick the game winning field goal, but then left nine seconds for Ohio State to kick the ball off to Britton Covey, who had returned a kick on them previously, and like had everyone in Ohio State's bowels and Columbus's bowels moving every time he called the ball on a kickoff return. Like I don't know why he left that much time on the clock for Utah to have a oh, chance. Oh, do you think you something. should have called timeout with five seconds left or something? Like three or two, whatever it, however long it takes to get a kickoff, which I guess is three seconds. So just call. Well, don't you don't aren't you supposed goal. to leave like ten seconds just in case the the snap was? Yeah, but they didn't have any more timeouts. If you have a bad snap and you don't get the kickoff and you get tackled at the game, they're going games going overtime. You couldn't yeah, stop the clock. Yeah, man. that's true. If he had, he he called timeout like they had two timeouts. Gotcha. And, and even if that was the case, he still called timeout with two. And much then time you left. kick it off to a person <laughs> who already housed one on you. Yeah, yeah. Which is just like, again, like uh, the players really bailed them out, man. Like I don't, I, I don't think Ohio State was well coached for for much of the year. And I don't think they were particularly well coached in the Rose Bowl. Um, but credit to the players for pulling it out because I don't necessarily think they were put in great positions to succeed in this game over much of the season. Um, so that's another thing I would kind of take a little bit of solace in because I don't know. I think Ohio State all year has not looked comfortable in the in the few games that things were tight, in the few games that things didn't go their way. They lost two of them. Um, I don't think it was a particularly strong mental team. So for them to go into halftime down 35-21 in the Rose Bowl and then come back out and, you know, turn it up a little bit on defense, play offense the way they played and, and pull that game out, I actually thought was kind of impressive. Um, and I don't know if you carry that forward or not, but I think you can at least enjoy that, that the players kind of dug down and did something they really weren't able to do any other times they encountered that situation earlier in the year. You know what I saw a lot on Twitter? What's that? And I don't know if it's just we're 35 minutes in and I don't know if it's a loud – Again, I have a hard time deciphering loud. There's a lot of Ryan Day pessimism. He needs to do a better job than he did this year. I think that's fair. I don't think like the guy shouldn't be fired. People want to fire him. I don't think that like that's that's way 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 over over the line for me right now. He's three years into this and he's lost what four games. He's won the Big Ten twice. He's been to the playoff twice. He won a playoff game. Went to the national title game. He's won a one against Michigan. Like good good start. Got to be better than you were this year. Got to make better hires than you made, you know, before the 2020 season. Um, is the most like, I, here's the thing. Jim Knowles is making almost $2 million. Mm-hmm. Ohio State and Ryan Day need to let that kid, that guy cook. Like, and I, I, I think, I think he will. I think he will. Like, do you, do you anticipate, and I saw Matt Barnes, this wasn't been mentioned yet, but he is taking a job yeah. at Memphis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You read between the lines on that one. He probably was going to be one of the odd men out. Um, is Ohio State's defensive staff going to be much different next year in your mind? 
I'm not anticipating that it's much different. Um, I think if I had to guess, and this is mostly just a guess, I would guess that Kerry Combs and Al Washington are back. Um, Larry Johnson, as long as he doesn't want to retire, is back. Although I do have questions about how he and Jim Knowles mesh, which we can get into down the road. We don't have to do that here. Um, On the same day that they they got Omari Aber. Oh, no more. Yeah, Larry Johnson, I think, still has the juice for sure. If it's, I think, I think he let him call a shot there. Um, I think they still need another defensive assistant, and I would, I don't know, demote Parker Fleming. Parker Fleming was promoted to the special teams coordinator, probably a job he wasn't qualified for, and then their special teams like weren't very good this year, and then the special teams stunk in the Rose Bowl. Um, so like, whatever, just let him go somewhere put him back to where he was on his QC coach, like hire somebody who can help your defense because he's an offensive leaning coach. Anyway, they're still on a balance on the coaching staff. So, um, you know, Jim Knowles is new. I would think there might be at least one more new person there. Um, but if Al Washington and Kerry Combs are back, I, I don't think I'd be shocked by that. Is Al Washington hundred percent back in your mind? I think so. Yeah. Why do yeah. you think so? I think Ryan day likes him. And I actually think, I was just setting you I up to talk like, about uh, Eichenberg. So, if you want to take the floor for the next fifteen seconds, well, I was going to say like I, we've certainly been critical of him, and I don't, I don't think it's unfair because the linebackers weren't particularly good this year. Um, but I did think that Eichenberg got better. I think the fact that like Steel Chambers was even a serviceable linebacker is impressive, and I think Al Washington gets some credit for that. I think the fact that like Cade Stover didn't look like he was in over his head playing in the Rose Bowl when he had been a tight end all year, you know tells me that he was at least prepared marginally well um i think al washington needs to recruit better but i'm not so sure he's been a bad linebackers coach maybe an average linebackers coach and you can ask more of that but i don't think he's been a bad linebackers coach the linebackers before this year the other two years he's been here have been pretty good they just weren't that good this year but they're also still feeling the brunt of Bill Davis is recruiting mishaps. Bill Davis recruited the 2018 linebacker class. One guy quit in the middle of a game. Another guy transferred in the middle of the season, and the third guy didn't play much this year. Antonio Bryan quit in the middle of a game on Sunday. Antonio Brown, I mean. Yeah, that was something else. I saw he left like uh, like a million dollars on the table and, and incentive bonuses that he could have reached like had he just played. Had they had, I think he had needed like four or five more catches, and he would have got like an extra million dollars. But instead, he did. Did you ever see uh, this, the second Mighty Ducks movie when the guy strips in the penalty box? Yeah. That's what it looked like. <laughs> Standing shirtless in the end zone. Jumping jacks? Running off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of happened at Ohio State this year. Not quite as. Kayvon Pope kept the shirt on, although he did try to take it off. He also <laughs> tweeted an F bomb and then deleted it. With two C's. It. Yeah. With two C's. Is yeah. that the same family as Thick with two C's? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm too old to know the answer. To um, that. Yeah, um, I'm very curious if they can if they can do it with the defense because I. It's just like part of me feels like they're still one year away. After I think year. that is a I think that is a fair Jim Knowles' defense is pretty complex and. I think talent can expedite the process with which that sort of takes hold. Um, but his defense this year was great because he had like fifth year seniors all over the place. 
guys who had lived in that system for four years. Um, I don't. I don't think Ohio State's defense next year is going to be what Oklahoma State's was this year. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. But even the mere idea of like a plan and organization and a vision and coaching to that vision, uh, having you know better game plans, uh, I think that could do a lot to help this defense. Because this defense didn't really have any of that. Matt Barnes tried. He gave it a good effort um, in a tough position. But this defense just like never had a chance, and they got to be better. They have to be better. But I also think the level, the level at which this defense would have to play to win a national championship, when combined with this offense, is not like top five in the country. It's like, can you be top thirty? I think if they be be top thirty, they'll be good enough. Yeah. It just goes to show you how hard it is to put things together. It's really think, difficult. Because Ohio State had the dough. The dough is the talent, right? Had the sauce. I think they had the cheese. I think the topping sucked. Yeah. Or maybe the cheese sucked because toppings, you can, you can still have a good cheese pizza. The cheese sucked. I think the dough sucked. No, the dough is the, the talent. Do- I think the, I think the dough is like the underlying structure of what the thing is, and that was not very good. I think I think the talent are the toppings. The talent are the things that like no, live in that structure. I and disagree. Take it forward. I think dough is toppings because without the talent, or dough is talent because without talent you can't even make you can't even make the, the final product. And without That's dough, fair. you can't you can't make the pizza. That's fair. you have to have that. Now, you have to have some it. of the dough okay. might have gotten stale because they've been on the roster too long. I'm just trying to make a pizza analogy here. You know, you know, don't push back on my pizza analogy. I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. Shout to out to it. everybody who said they were going to go on a diet on January one. Who already has decided to push back to Monday. <laughs> diet starts on Monday. What are you talking about? Start on January one. It's not my fault. The New Year's is on a weekend. Yeah, I know. It's, it's called the grace period. I didn't, make, I, didn't make, I didn't make the calendar. Yeah, I just got an alert from my from uh, my computer that tells me my flight from Phoenix to Columbus leaves in ten minutes. I'm here. Dude, they have some pretty good pizza in the Phoenix terminal there too. They do. They do. I've had it before. Yeah. I, I don't know what that place is in that one. Yeah, terminal. it's also $19 for a small G, but, you know. That's all right. I don't need one at airports because I don't fit in the bathroom, so I don't want to do anything. I don't put anything in my body that might make me have to use the bathroom during a flight. Interesting. Yeah. I think there is something about, like, being in the air that changes your internal body chemistry that, like, makes it. It does for me. I don't. No, no, that makes it not go. Like, the, like, it, like uh, what happens when you're sleeping? You know, nobody ever wakes up in the middle of the night, or at least rarely wakes up in the middle of the night. It's like, oh my god, I gotta go take a shit. Like, I don't think that happens. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been on the airplane and been like, I have to go to the bathroom right now. Like that, that I don't think that's ever happened to me. And I it's eat in airports. It's never happened to me either. But I, I take steps to ensure that happens because these airplane bathrooms. Yeah, I get in them. I can't even close the door. I'm a big man. I'm a big. You, you man. don't want, you don't want the your pen to explode on the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My pen exploded. Um, Yeah, so you know what I am very energized about, though, Bill? I think we have a lot to talk about and a lot to to, uh, report. 
And I think our podcast is going to be better during the off season as a result of everything that has occurred this year. Yeah, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that need to be better. Um, a lot of things that are really good. CJ Stroud, not all, some things that are really good. CJ Stroud, excellent. Jack Smith and Jigba, excellent. The other receivers, excellent. I think other things to be excited about, but yeah. Oh, what about the offensive to, line, bud? How much time you got? <laughs> I mean, we have 15 more minutes, I bet. I mean, I don't, like, why can't they run the ball? Uh, Well, part of the reason they can't run the ball is because they only run the ball when they're in the pistol and under center. <laughs> I just wanted to and when you, you only when yeah. you only run the ball when you're in pistol or under center, guess what? The defense knows you're running the ball, and that makes it hard. Also, you run the same play over and over again. Also, you have guys playing out of position. Um, they run games. It sounds like my it sounds like my Madden strategy. Yeah, you just run wide zone left. with Nick yeah. Chubb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> One time you played it, you had like didn't you have like 500 yards with Adrian Peterson? Oh. And you ran like 10 plays. Oh, that was against you. You you can't stop yeah. the stretch play. Uh, no I matter can. what. Online, uh, one time I, this was like a few years ago. Uh, I haven't been able to turn on my PS5 in like a year. But Madden 2019, I think I put Tariq Cohen in as the number one uh, running back in Chicago, and I ran stretch play, and I just every play. 80-yard touchdown run. And I, I think yeah. I had like 900 yards rushing in one of the online games. But it is funny because I thought that Ryan Day did such a good job with like pre-snap motions and designs in the passing game. And it's like, can you be an elite-level offensive coordinator and offensive mind if you can't figure out how to run the ball in an interesting way? Nope. <laughs> I don't ever remember that being a problem for them. Well, it's easier, I think, when you have um... – Really good guard play, really athletic interior offensive lineman, good blocking tight ends, and J.K. Dobbins. And this year, they had a Dobbins-like running back, although I think Trevon Henderson certainly has some room to grow. Um, not particularly great blocking from the tight end position, and guys playing out of position on the offensive line that did not help their run game at all. And when I say Ohio State's run game stinks, like they were – where they ranked nationally, it was, was low for Ohio State standards – Whatever, it was fine. They averaged more than five yards of carry. Trevion Henderson rushed for 1,000 yards, had a bunch of touchdowns. Like, I get that. Like, they're not, it's not like they're, they're bad. It's not as good as it should be. It is woefully unimaginative. Um, there's no creativity, and it is incredibly predictable. And I'm, char- like I said, I was just, I'm in the middle of watching the Rose Bowl right now. I'm not quite through with the first half yet. Um, 16 plays from the shotgun, 15 passes. Eight plays from under center or pistol, seven runs. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's bad offensive coaching. And sometimes you'd have CJ Shroud and Jack Smith and Jigba, and it does not matter. You can do whatever you Stinky. want. Stinky. <laughs> stinks. Yeah. yeah. It stinks. Just because you have good players doesn't mean you can't, you know, get in your bag a little bit and be a little creative and try to do some stuff. I think that's um, been the number one Ohio State criticism for the last 10 years. They have really good players. Talent is a crutch. It masks what I consider to be coaching deficiencies. But I think it's unbelievable that that would be a thing with Ryan Day when his number one attribute I well, maybe his number one attribute is quarterback coaching. He's a good he's a he's an Ryan Day is an excellent quarterback developer and a pretty and, and a good like passing game coordinator. His run game stinks. Gotta be better. Also, CJ Stratt's gonna throw for like five thousand yards next year, so maybe it doesn't matter. 
But I would like for it to be better because I like watching a good run game. A good run game is fun. I mean, they have Trey Henderson. Yeah, they do. Watching Alabama run like nine run plays in a row on the first drive of the semifinal and then shoving it down their throat saying this is game, this game's over like on the first drive is something that yeah, Ohio State should be able to do that. They cannot do that against a good, de- against a good defense. I think if Ohio State played Cincinnati, it would not have been able to do that. Might have thrown it four times and scored a touchdown, but I don't think they could run it nine times and score. So how do we how do we put a bow, a bow on this? Is it yay Rose Bowl? We'll talk. I think it's both. I think it's I think it's yay Rose Bowl. Yay, fun win, Rose fun Bowl. game. Enjoy it. Like, and I mean that sincerely. Enjoy the Rose Bowl win. It was a really really fun game. Ohio State won the game. Ended their season on a more positive note than than it certainly could have been. If you want to combine Michigan losing with that, you know, that's fine. Be my guest. I think that's flawed logic because you lost to them, but go for it. I'm getting um, sick to my stomach listening to you explain this. It like makes me uneasy. Yeah, I don't like. I don't. <laughs> here's the thing: I don't. I don't like doing. I don't like telling people how to enjoy things. Yeah, yeah. And the thing enjoy, you're saying, enjoy whatever you want. The, 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 I, I enjoyed that game. The I had, thing I had a that you're ton of fun saying that is. Game. If people feel the way that you feel, or the way that that some people feel with this joyful celebration, they feel that way. And if they feel like me, then nothing you say can, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's kind of like... I just think you can have it both ways. I think you can enjoy the Rose Bowl win for being a Rose Bowl win, while also acknowledging all the steps that Ohio State needs to take in this offseason to become a better team. Both things can be true, in my mind. I think should be true for your sanity. <laughs> I just hate the idea of like an Ohio State fan watching a 48-45 win and a bang over Rose Bowl and just like sitting there wallowing like, I can't believe we're doing a national championship. We would have smoked Georgia. Like, just enjoy the game, man. <laughs> yeah, no, Take but it. the good thing is that in 2015, it was way worse because they actually were good enough to win in the championship realm. Like, this team probably wouldn't have beaten Alabama and Georgia. So, like, it kind of doesn't gnaw at you the same way. Um, so, you know, if, if you, the thing that would gnaw at me is that they couldn't put it together so that that was the case. Yeah. I think that's right. When 80% I, I, of the job was already done. Yeah. You know, it's like the last bag of popcorn and you're getting excited to watch Yellowstone on Sunday night, the season finale. You got one, one shot at it and you burn the popcorn. It's like, <laughs> you, you know, you can eat around it. You know, sometimes the burnt taste tastes kind of good. You know, you might have salvaged half the bag. But all you had to do was pop the corn, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say I say enjoy the Rose Bowl win while also be realist while also being realistic about where Ohio State is and where it needs to go over the next few months before the twenty twenty two season. Is Ohio State a national championship contender? Uh we'll talk about that uh for the next six months. I yes. do think that that was a pleasurable way for the season to end certainly fun and after that year fun isn't the worst thing to add to the equation so you know fun is allowed fun, fun, you are allowed yeah. i permit you to have fun and all the stuff with jim Knowles and the recruiting you know it was a huge recruiting win today when we're recording this on sunday i think getting a top 50 defensive lineman out of dallas in this uh environment was a really really great pool for ohio state it added a Another great piece, and I think that's nine top 100 players into their class. We'll analyze that, I think, moving forward. Very curious to see what happens to the staff. Landis has a depth chart story to get to. Um, that's right. 
you know, spring. I mean, just, seem, just seem to figure out who's going to be on the team first. I've come to play on the team. I think that this podcast is going to be uh, maybe not as all over the place as it was today. A very measured. I think we're going to come up with some plans. We'll have some guests, and you know, we'll kind of try to tackle each thing. Of like, one episode could be like, where? What do we think of Ryan Day right now? Next one is top five things that Jim Knowles has to do. You know, like we'll, we'll come up with some. Yeah. And I think that we have a lot of content and a lot of discussion and theory and things to discuss uh, as we go into the offseason. I'm super excited to do that with you, Bill. I Likewise, I'm excited. Um, I think recruiting and staff change is probably front of mind right now. Ohio State's trying to finish off this class. They did add Omar Yabor. Like you said, big win. They still need to sign him. He's not signed. Um, and I guess he's going to take some visits. So it's kind of like the beginning. It's not really the end of that recruitment. But I think as long as Larry Johnson is here next year, that they'll ultimately end up getting him. That will be three top 100 that defensive is such linemen. such a power move to just to announce in January and go, I'm still I'm still not signed. Like, you, it's, it's, it's what every recruit should do. Yeah. If you're under 18 years old, never. If you're over 18 years old, never sign your letter of intent. Let that thing play out, baby. I would take you all take five officials. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would do a bunch of unofficials, too, in driving distance. That's right. I've seen He Got Game. I know what goes on. I'll make that, I'll <laughs> that process for all it's worth. Yeah. No, I don't know. You know I respect Omar Abor in the way he's playing it. But I think, you know, three top 100 defensive linemen in a year where they really need to nail the defensive line group and still the possibility they could add Hero Canoe, who's announcing on January 8th um, at the All-American game, or All-American Bowl, excuse me. Uh, that it's a really good defensive line class. Maybe not quite as good as last year's because they had two five stars last year, but still a very good offensive line or defensive line class with potentially Amari Abor, Kenyatta Jackson, um, Caden Curry, and possibly Hero Canoe as well. So good job by Larry Johnson. I think the cycle. Um, good job by Ohio State. I think recruiting defensive players in this cycle. I think that's something for people to be excited about. They also added a 2023 commitment during the Rose Bowl. Uh, Cedric Hawkins, a safety from Florida. Who, whose name I had never heard before, and then he committed to Ohio State in the middle of the game. Byrne put out a story like Cedric Hawkins has committed to Ohio State, and I said, "Who is that?" That was it's. I think it's rare that Ohio State gets a commitment from somebody who's like out of nowhere for I think a large section of the Ohio State beat. Um, but they got him four star safety in the class of twenty twenty three. I think he's their third commitment. If I'm not mistaken in that class. Um, so that was good too. They got two big recruiting wins and a Rose Bowl win in twenty four hours. Feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate the Rose Bowl. Celebrate the Rose Bowl. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us throughout the entire season. And now, like, we've, we, I think like we've been in off-season mode for a bit now, but now we're officially in off-season mode. And quite frankly, I feel like sometimes that's the more exciting part of the college football season uh, for people who cover the sport, especially when Ohio State's going through a little bit of a transition the way it is with some coaching and, and roster stuff. So um, look forward to talking more about that in the coming months. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.